event. Today we celebrate this great feast of the Assumption, and in God's providence we have it on this Sunday, on a Sunday. And how good for us to remind ourselves of the, the humility of our Blessed Mother and of her fidelity, which enables us to draw ever closer to the Lord. But one of the things which we notice, or we should be aware of, when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, is that in the 33 years of his existence, Jesus experienced in a minor way all that Israel had experienced since the fall. And so we recognize and we remind ourselves that when Jesus was born, he went into Egypt, just as Israel went into Egypt, and then he came out of Egypt, just as Israel came out of Egypt. And so this morning we recognize the profundity of the Ark of the Covenant in those gospel reading which we heard. And mind you, uh, I shared with you before, but this Benedictus is a very good, handy little missile to have. If you don't want to buy a big, thick missile, this comes out once a month, $5 a month. It's worth every penny of that $5. It's a whole month you get of the readings, the translation. And so this will be very helpful until we figure out what our Holy Father means when he says that the readings have to be in English. Until we figure out how we're doing that, this is a good way of reminding yourselves. Plus remember, if you need to be in our, on our email, because we send you a copy of the readings for the day, the Mass of the day, that we are celebrating with its English and Latin translation. So those are the two ways in which you have currently English. And when we figure out what the Pope wants us to do, we will try to enact it as he desires. But Mary, we and I don't understand. I can't figure out why in this morning's gospel they left out the first sentence of the start of this chapter from the Gospel of Luke, because the very first sentence is part is crucial to our understanding of Mary and the and what's going on in the rest of this gospel. Because the scripture says in the very beginning. Mary went in haste to the hill country of Judah. Now that, as I'm looking at your blank faces, it doesn't mean much to you. But to the Israelite who was hearing this, this good news of salvation, then immediately they would have thought of the Ark of the Covenant. If you remember, the Ark of the Covenant was lost and it was found, found once again, and it was staying in an old gentleman's home in the hill country of Judah. And David, the king, goes in haste to collect the ark and bring it back to Jerusalem so that the Lord could be honored in the holy city as it was intended. Now remember, the, the ark held the remnants of the tablets in which scripture tells us God's finger touched Mary possesses the divine life of God within her very being. And so as David goes, as we read in the second book of Samuel, as, as David goes to, the ark, to receive the ark, he dances in exaltation. He dances before the Lord, the presence of God in the tabernacle. 
in joyful recognition that the tabernacle is found, is nowhere it is, and is being restored to the place of where God wishes to be worshipped and adored. Interestingly enough, we also hear at the words of Mary's greeting, the child in the womb of Elizabeth, John the Baptist, as scripture tells us, leapt with joy. So again, the Israelite, immersed in sacred scripture, would have made a connection between what Luke was saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to show how Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. And in case there was any doubt that that is the case, St. John, in his the last book of the scriptures, the book of Revelation, emphatically points that out. Because at the end of chapter 11, Jesus, the, we remember, well, let's take a little step back a second. Because after, remember, the kingdom of Israel, founded by David, established by David, is eventually annihilated and taken into capti captivity. And when the kingdom, the Israel was in captivity, the ark was lost and had not been found. To this very day, the ark has not been found of the ancient ark of the covenant that Moses had erected. Yet the book of Revelation tells us very clearly at the end of chapter 11 that the John beholds the ark of the covenant. And then the very beginning of chapter 12, and remember, that in the sacred scriptures there was no chapters originally. It was just a free-flowing verse. It was those later in scripture scholarship that put it into chapters. So after we see that the Ark of the Lord, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was found, we then see immediately the next verse of St. John is, a woman clothed with the sun with a diadem of 12 crowns, a crown with 12 diadems on her head. And so John emphatically emphasizes that Mary is the new covenant. The new covenant in which Mary is the new ark, which establishes the new covenant that God wishes to be desired and honored and venerated for her fidelity and her humility in fulfilling God's plan for her. And so because of Mary's greatness, because Mary was chosen from the beginning of time to bear the, the Son of God, the very Word of God in flesh, Mary was privileged to be born without original sin. Now as you remember, or you should remember, in the Garden of Eden, there were two major trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they could not eat from, and the tree of life, which they could eat from. And they chose to eat from the wrong tree, and we know the rest of the story. They were expelled from the garden. Being expelled from the garden, what, meant, what did that mean? They would no longer eat the tree of life. So death is a consequence of original sin. Death was never part of the experience of God's preparation for the humanity. We were not supposed to die. So when you get to heaven, pick it up with Adam and Eve. We weren't supposed to die, and that is why Jesus came to destroy death and to restore us to life, to restore us to the original state. And we profess in the creed 
that we believe in the coming of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the body. Because we are to worship God in spirit and body as human beings are meant to be. And when Jesus comes in glory, we are going to be restored to that reality. And because Mary was born without sin, original sin, Mary does not have to face the consequence of original sin, which is death. And so we celebrate today the Assumption. The fact that Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven. Now, for the record, <clears throat> you know, very, very rarely is my Catholicity challenged as being faithful son of the church. However, when it comes to the Assumption, I don't think we got the right name. I think we should stick with the, with the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox Church and refer to it as they do, the Dormition. Assu what's assumption? Assumption. Assu I mean, we make assumptions, which could be right or wrong, and so we say Mary is an assumption of Mary into heaven. What do we say? Did she go to heaven? Didn't she go to heaven? The Dormition is a much better word to use, I believe, because what the Dormition tells us is that as the great, as the fathers of the church described Mary's assumption, they described it as Mary falling asleep on earth and waking up in heaven, body and soul. That Mary falls asleep on earth and she is taken by the angels up into heaven. Now that makes better sense to me, at least. I'm not saying you have to go have a doctrine that changes the name of it. I'm just saying that Dormition, in my mind, is better encapsulates what we're celebrating today. That it isn't, it isn't an assumption, we're not assuming that Mary, wrote, that Mary went bodily into heaven, but we are saying emphatically that she, has, she is in heaven, body and soul. Now we know that Mary is not the only one body and soul in heaven besides Jesus Christ. Because we know also the prophet Elijah was taken by the fiery chariot, chariot into heaven. So the fact that there is bodily presence in heaven shouldn't be a surprise to us. Scripture alludes to it. And it's manifested in the fact of Jesus Christ, who is God and man, who has his body, and Our Lady has his body, because we are meant as human beings to have a body. We're not meant to be, and what drives me crazy is when people die and they say, we say, oh, now you have an angel in heaven. Now you have a nice angel in heaven looking after you. No, you don't. You don't have an angel in heaven. Angels are angels. Humanity is humanity. An angel is a pure spirit. A human being, a man, a woman is a soul and body united. It's not a body just that it carries a soul, a spirit. What makes a human being a human being is that we are body and soul. And so therefore, we are not fulfilled completely. We are not fulfilled completely even in heaven until we are restored to our body so that we can worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, what exactly, theologically, does that mean that we are not fulfilled? I don't know. Because if I'm in heaven with God, I'm not going to care, necessarily. I don't have my body with me. But we profess in the creed and we pray for the coming of our Savior and the resurrection of our bodies. Are we praying for the resurrection of our bodies? 
Or do we know we're supposed to be praying for that? But Father, if we pray for the resurrection of the body, that means Jesus is coming in sooner, maybe, and that means the world's going to end. What do you do? Do we really want this world to continue as it is? I mean, having God establish eternity, heaven on earth as he originally intended when he created man and woman, Adam and Eve. You know, when God created our first parents, he didn't create them to be in heaven. He created them to be on earth. And one of the reasons why we talk about the stewardship of the earth, the stewardship, the taking care of this planet, is because this is heaven. This is supposed to be heaven. Now, read the newspaper or watch the news and you see how far we are from that. But this is what's supposed to be heaven for humanity. And this is what we are longing for. And this is what the assumption reminds us of. That we are meant to be worshiping God with our bodies and our spirit. We are to be faithful to God as Mary was. We are to be humble of the presence of God as Mary was, so that we can attain heaven. So the Feast of the Assumption is a twofold, it's not just something, oh, isn't that nice, Mary went to heaven, body and soul. But what does the Assumption have to do with you and me? It has everything to do with you and me. Because it has to do with reminding us of what we are here for. We are here to love and to serve and to know our God. To know him so well that we want to be with him forever. In that fidelity, in that humility, and that in knowing and loving God, we want to live as he wants us to live. We want to live in the reality of the heavenly experience which we participate and foreshadow every time we come to Holy Mass. Every time we come to Holy Mass, we have an invitation, a, a, a holy meeting of the heavenly and the earthly. Heaven comes down to earth. Earth is brought up into heaven. And in this event of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, we worship in spirit and in truth, as we are meant to do in heaven with our bodies, with all the angels and the saints. We do not think enough about what occurs when we celebrate Holy Mass, my dear brothers and sisters. We do not recognize that when we are celebrating this Mass, we are transported out of little old Brooksville. We are transported out of Brooksville into the heavenly reality. Who is your patron saint? Who is your favorite saint? Who is oh, any of those saints we have devotion to? They are with us when we celebrate, when we are present at Holy Mass. Because all of the angels and saints are present. Because Jesus is present in the Holy Eucharist. And Jesus, we profess in the Creed in a few moments, is seated at the right hand of the Father. The right hand of the Father, where is the Father? In heaven. So God comes down to earth once again. Every single time this Holy Mass is celebrated, God comes down from heaven. Heaven is brought up, earth is brought up into heaven. And we have this divine exchange of worshiping with the angels and the saints. You might not be aware of this, but my reputation in the diocese after 26 years as a priest is I am the priest of the angels. Because whatever parish I go to, 
If there's no angels in the church, they ought to say, suddenly just show up. Somehow. They just show up, like over here. If you go into the old Blessed Sacrament Chapel, angels, angels, there's angels all over. Angels says a holy reminder so that when we enter into this building, we are reminded of the fact that Jesus present in the Eucharist dwells on earth and in heaven, and so we enter into heaven. We're not entering into a concert hall. We're not entering into a meeting place. We're not entering into a gathering space of a community. As we are sometimes misled to believe, we are entering into the very vestibule of heaven. Do we understand that? Do we appreciate, do we recognize it when we enter into this building? When we pass the building, I remember I remember the holy sister, the good sisters used to teach us. Whenever you pass a church, you bless yourself with the sign of the cross, acknowledging the presence of Jesus in the tabernacle, but also acknowledging what this building is. It's not just a building, but it is a, it is a vestibule, an encounter with the risen Lord in his heavenly experience. Now, how can people say that being a Catholic is boring? How can they say it's dull? I mean, this is exciting. This should be exciting. Although, if I had a video looking at all of you, I'm not seeing the excitement. And obviously, you haven't realized yet that I preach until I get the reaction I'm looking for from the congregation, from all of you. Because, my brothers and sisters, this is what the good news is. The good news is that God knew, and this is, is mind-blowing, God knew Adam and Eve were going to do what they did. Adam, he knew that they were going to blow it for all of us. And yet from the very beginning he planned. He planned how he was going to save us. How he was going to fix it. How much does he love us that he would do that? See, this is why you know I'm not God, because if I knew man, man and woman were going to make a mistake, we're going to blow it for the whole universe, I would have said, not going to do it. I'll try maybe later on in time, and I'll try later on maybe, but I'm not doing it now. But he still did it. The amazement of his love for us. And so not only does he leave us in our sinfulness, but he sends his very own son, he sends the word made flesh so that you and I, can experience forever what was lost by our first parents, and that is eternal life. And that is why, my brothers and sisters, when it comes to our look and our view of death, we are not morbid in our view of death. Death is not the end of human existence. Death is the change of human life. It's changing your address, if you will. Everyone, many of us changed our address, moving from the north to the south. Well, death is just another change. The good news is, you don't have to tell anyone your new address. You don't have to go to the post office and send out postcards and worry about your bills coming to the right, to the right place. So my brothers and sisters, Mary's assumption is not just an event we remember for herself, and isn't that a nice story, but we remember it precisely because of what it does for you and me what it reminds us of, and what it calls us to. So let us pray as we continue this Holy Mass, that you and I may always worship and praise God, in spirit and in truth, with our whole body and our whole soul, that we will worship Him in the example of our Blessed Mother, in her fidelity, in her humility, and her, in her, her implicit trust, explicit trust, 
of the providence and the presence of God with her. If you and I make that attempt, the way in which we look at this world, the way in which we live our Christian life, will be markedly different, and it will be seen through the power and the presence of God. Let this be our prayer as we continue the Mass this day. Praise be Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.